A great and marvelous work is about to come forth unto the children of men. Doctrine and Covenants, section 6, verse 1, section 11, verse 1, section 12, verse 1, and section 14, verse 1. Hey listeners, this is Neil from Book of Mormon Central, and today's podcast addresses the question, why were so many sections in the Doctrine and Covenants revealed during the days when the Book of Mormon was being translated? During the limited time when the Book of Mormon was being translated in April, May, and June of 1829, at least 13 revelations now canonized in the Doctrine and Covenants were received and recorded by Joseph Smith. Why were all these revelations needed and given during this time? They must have been very important, given how intensely Joseph and Oliver were working on the translation of the plates of Mormon and also on the plates of Nephi. Some of the reasons for why these revelations were given are, Joseph and Oliver and others had questions. These questions involved how the translation of the Book of Mormon was to be performed, the necessity of priesthood in performing sacred ordinances pertaining to the salvation, the current status and future destiny of the Apostle John, among others. They needed instruction. Oliver needed to know how he could implement his gift of translation for the Book of Mormon. Joseph needed to know how he could handle the loss of the Book of Mormon manuscript pages. They all needed reassurance. The trials that Joseph Smith and his associates underwent to translate the Book of Mormon and prepare to establish the church were vexing. The revelations encouraged patience, charity, confidence in spreading the gospel, being obedient in order to receive blessings, and ultimately trusting in the Lord to be able to bring about his purposes. The total number of words in these 13 revelations is 6,124. Assuming that a rate of 20 words per minute, which may be on the fast side, was generally used to dictate and transcribe these individual sections, that computes to a total of 306 minutes or at least 5 hours just to bring forth these revelations, amounting to at least one more full day's worth of direct work spread over the translation period. This estimate does not include time for stopping the translation process, discussing the questions and situations with the recipients, pondering the situation, praying, getting people together, seeking, receiving, recording, and delivering the revelation to the recipient. There also would have likely been discussion about what the revelation just given might mean before getting back to work on the translation. People usually do not think of this series of interruptions simultaneously running during the days between April 7th and June 30th, 1829, in connection with estimating and evaluating the total amount of elapsed time that was required to bring forth the Book of Mormon. Taken altogether, it would appear that not many more than the equivalent of about 60 actual working days would have been available from April to June 1829. This is remarkable because the amount of translation and transcription work accomplished before April 27, 1829 was probably relatively little. Apparently, Joseph Smith had learned to translate more efficiently as he went along with the translation project, and Oliver was likely more skillful as a scribe than Martin Harris or others who were available prior to April 7, 1829. The work most likely went faster in April, May, and June 1829 than it had gone in 1828, all of which helps to explain the feasibility of the rapidity of the miraculous translation of the Book of Mormon during the days spent translating those three months. Several lessons can be learned from this information. First, Joseph took scarce time to write these revelations down. Recording spiritual promptings and journaling about blessings we receive should be prioritized even when time is short. Second, 
With the loss of the Book of Mormon manuscript pages, Joseph likely learned the importance of good stewardship over the instructions he received from the Lord via revelation. Like patriarchal blessings received by worthy church members today, these revelations that Joseph received were important. They were meant not just to be heard once, but to be retained, remembered, reread, and personally used as the Lord intends. Doctrine and Covenants section 104 verse 59 tells us that such revelations are to be used for the purpose of building up the Lord's church and kingdom on the earth and to prepare his people for the time when he shall dwell with them, which is nigh at hand. Third, in later revelations in the Doctrine and Covenants given to Joseph Smith, as well as Joseph Smith's translation of Matthew, the Lord tells us by way of commandment that what I say unto one, I say unto all. Thus, instructions that God gave unto the people who first heard these first revelations in the spring of 1829 can help readers understand God's nature. He would likely respond to similar challenges that we face today as individuals. Thank you for listening. For more information on the Book of Mormon, visit bookofmormoncentral.org and click on the Know Why tab.